Greetings and welcome back to our weekly Parashat Shavua exploration. Uh, my name is Yitzchak Yat Shalom, and uh, this week we are reading Parashat Vayetchanan. Parashat Vayetchanan always comes to us with a bit of mixed feelings, because it's always the Shabbat immediately after Tisha B'Av, and as is the case this year, Tisha B'Av is on Thursday. So most of the week that we're engaged in the study of Atchanan, we are also engaged in preparation and experiencing Tisha B'Av. And it is uh, perhaps no coincidence that the Kriyat Torah on Tisha B'Av is from Pashat Vatchanan Kitolid Banim. But I'd like to take a look at uh, another component of Pashat Vatchanan, one that's usually overlooked uh, for several reasons. Uh, first of all, Vatchanan is one of the real headliner parshiot. Besides the fact that it is Shabbat Nachamu, it also includes the famous Shema Yisrael. It also includes Moshe Rabbeinu's presentation of the Aseret Adibrot with the uh, well-known variations of Shamor versus Zachor and Zacharaki uh, Evrayita instead of Kishesh Dimosah Hashem, etc., etc., and many other nuance differences. Vaitchanan uh, also includes at the beginning the uh, Moshe's um, greatest and, and, and broadest and deepest theological presentation to Am Yisrael about the experience of Har Sinai and what it teaches us about God. So there's real big things going on, and the passage we're going to look at is not only broadly overlooked when it comes to the uh, study of Parshat Vatchanan, but it also has its own place in the calendar that we do spend time with it, and that is either when we're studying Parashat Bo or when it comes to Pesach time. And that is because we're going to look at the question that Moshe anticipates a child will ask uh, the generation that is entering the land that the parents will be asked by their children and uh, what they will ask and how they should answer. And so, again, this is a study that's usually devoted to either the study of the quote-unquote Arba Banim, uh, Pesach time, or else the Arba Banim within the context of Bo, because the other three interactions that together make up the four sons uh, are all in Parshad Bo. But we're going to look at it here because there is a much larger looming question about this interaction that we often miss when we study it in the context of the Arba Banim because there we're contrasting each son to the other, each answer to the other, each question to each other, each context to the to each other. Uh, but when we step back and look at this parsha itself, we notice something that's odd inside and that perhaps can best be answered by looking at it not in the context of the other interactions between fathers and sons, but rather within the broader context of uh, of the passages around it in Parshat Vatchanan. So let's take a look at it. The interaction, as you see in Source 1, which is in Parag Vav, we're going to look at, at that entire section um, in a little bit, but first we'll start at the end of that section, which is the following. Ki shalchavin cham Machar here clearly does not mean tomorrow, it means in the future, Rashi points this out. When your son asks you, when Kaki often in legal texts refers to uh, in, casuistic, if this happens, Ki Machar when in the future your son asks you, what are the testimonies and the statutes and the laws, if that's how you want to translate them, different kinds of commands that Hashem, our God, commanded you. Now, that, by the way, again, within the context of the quote-unquote Arba Banim, is a troubling word, because 
we are upset at one of the children for saying Mahavodazot Lachem and Lachem Velolo, and we call him a Rasha, etc., because he says, What does it mean to you? And yet this boy says, Etchem, what did Hashem command you? Why doesn't he say Hashem commanded us? So there is a very simple answer, again, within the context of Etchanan, which changes everything, but we'll get to that. In the meantime, when your child asks you, and what is it he's asking, on the simplest level, he's asking, what are the laws? Meaning, teach me the laws that Hashem gave us. And what's the answer you're supposed to give him? And you would assume the answer would be, teach him the laws. Instead, And you teach him, we were slaves to Pharaoh, Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim with a strong hand. By the way, notice who Moshe is speaking to. Moshe is speaking to a generation that was born in the desert, which means when they say we were slaves, what he means is we were historically slaves. Our family was slaves. Not I, I wasn't a slave. Hashem did not take me out of Mitzrayim, Yad Chazakah. And this right away may be support for the notion that we express in the Haggadah that that a person is obligated, that obligation may be from the Torah because it's the way the Torah presents it. I'm supposed to feel like I got out. When I tell my child about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, I don't say my ancestors got out. I said we were slaves and we got out. Hashem took us out with a strong hand. So Hashem put signs and wonders that were great and that were terrifying against the Egyptians, against Pharaoh and his entire household, le'enenu, in front of us. We saw it. Now, again, I wasn't there, but we saw it. V'yotanu hotzimisham. That's one of the psukim that's used in the Haggadah. It's used in a later text. Not, it doesn't show up in the Mishnah, but it does show up in, in the Haggadah as being the source text for the uh, obligation to experience as if we came, came out. He took us out. Why did he take us out? In order to bring us to give us the land that he promised to our ancestors. Now, for the first time in his answer, the father comes back to the question, which is, what are the laws? But he doesn't answer the question because he doesn't say, here are the laws. He says, Hashem commanded us to do all of these laws in order to fear God or to express our fear for God. It will be good for us for our entire life. And keep us alive like today. In other words, right now we're alive, right now things are good. In order to maintain that, we keep these laws. Which may mean it will be credited to us. Take a look in, actually, uh, in Bereshit Perak Tevav, Pasuk Vav. Uh, if, if we guard doing this mitzvah in the presence of Hashem as He commanded us. That's it. Now again, if I'm the child and I ask, what are all the laws, and this is the answer I get, I could be frustrated. I'm not getting an answer. I'm not being told what the laws are. I'm being told what the background is and what the benefit is and what God had in mind in giving it to us, but I have no idea what the laws are. So there's something strange in that. Now, before we take a look at the larger context in Sefer Dvarim of this interaction and understand what's going on, it behooves us to take a look at the traditional Midrash of the Arba Banim, because in it you're also going to find something strange, which is the following. And again, it's something that we often don't see because we usually don't look at Midrash Arba Banim as a study of Chumash. 
Uh, it's usually a study of Haggadah. So in the Mechilta, in Parshat Bo, and you could see it here based on the Ketav Yad, uh, the Bodleian Ketav Yad, uh, in Source 2, you can see a picture of it on the left side. Uh, you see, Ma'edod v'chukim v'amishpatim, you know, it's in the Mechilta, on Shmot, they quote the Pasuk in Dvarim, and in Tzaita Omer Arba'a Banim Hem. This may be the earliest version of this Midrash. In in some, you find that there are four sons. Not as we say in the Haggadah, Keneged Arba'a Banim, but there are four sons. Echad Chacham, notice the order and notice the names. Echad Chacham, Echad Tipesh, Tipesh means stupid. Echad Rashav, Echad Sheni Yodei Elishol. So right away, two things grab us because we're accustomed to the Haggadah. And one is that the second son is not the Rasha, it's the not the other guy. And the Rasha is placed third. And second of all, that the other guy is not called Tam, which means simple and might mean wholehearted and somewhat naive perhaps, but rather Tipesh, which is certainly a, prerogative, a, a pejorative phrase. Now, Chacham Mahu Omer, so again, the, the Midrash is identifying it by the questions that are asked at the four points in, Tana, in Chumash, where a son asks his father, or a son interacts with his father, and the answer given is about Yitziat Mitzrayim. And we identify the children by noticing the way that they ask the question and the answer we're supposed to give them. So chacham mahu omer. So we've identified that the child in our interaction in Tvarim is a chacham. And the answer is maha edot vachukim. Now notice that in the mechilta, they just quote the first two words, maha edot vachukim, and neatly sidestep the problem that the last word brings up, which is etchem. And now what, what are we supposed to answer the kid? Now you would think, this is the the Midrash. The Midrash would say, well, Hashem already gave us an answer. Moshe Rabbeinu taught us what the answer we're supposed to give, which is in the Chumash. So you would think, what do you tell him? Instead, instead, teach him or initiate with him the study of a Chota Pesach. And Morlo, HaPesach, Ein Mafterin Afikoman. And I put the word in Greek there of what it is, Epikoman which is a tradition that was at Greek fest, uh, feasts that at the end of the feast they would go and carouse in the streets and go into other people's homes and celebrate. And so what do you do? You teach him a chot pesach Now it may mean that you teach him all of the chot pesach all the way to the last Mishnah, which is Ein Maftirin Pesach Afikoman. It's almost the last Mishnah in Psachim. Or it may mean teach him specifically this law, which is don't do Afikoman after the Korban Pesach. Right, which is an interesting thing because that would mean that this midrash, at least in its core, may be from the times of the mikdash. Now, notice the tipesh, who again is second, not third in this list. more mazot. What does the tipesh say? Mazot. Now that's the question that's asked in Shmot Yud Gimel. lava. What do you answer him? God took us out with a strong hand. Now, what's interesting there is that the question mazot, which is asked in Perak Yud Gimel, Pasuk Yod Dalad of Shmot, which is when the child sees the father bringing the firstborn animal to the Kohen or redeeming a firstborn child. He's probably not seeing it because if he's already there, there's no firstborn child that's born after him. But he sees an animal being brought to the Kohen. And the answer that's given in the Torah is exactly this. It's longer than this, but this is the beginning of the answer. Which means that in the interaction with the Tipesh, the Midrash suggests that we follow the exact script of the Torah. The kid says, Mazot, and that's what you answer him, just like the Torah says. Which raises the question, how come it doesn't stick to the script when it comes to the Chacham? We're not going to look at the other two, uh, because that's, again, that belongs to Pesach. But just, I'm going to point out one other thing about the other two, which is context. 
the context of the Rasha's interaction is Korban Pesach. Right? You, the Torah says, when you come to the land, and uh, you do the Korban, and then, and your child says, what is this worship, this Avodah? And the answer is, Zavach Pesachu. The She'ino Yodei Elishol, the context there is of getting rid of chametz and eating Matzah, which means that all three of these interactions, the Tipesh, the Rashan, She'ino Yodei Elishol, all of them who are found in Parshat Bo, um, are all responses to ritual or seasonal circumstances. In other words, we're doing Korban Pesach. In that context, the kid may say, and here's what you answer. You're going to sit down to your Seder that night. Kid might not say anything. Here, you tell him. But where is that? The kid's going to turn around sometime in the fall, whenever it is that you're bringing your firstborn goat to the Kohen and say, Mazot, and you answer him, Hashem took us out, Paro was stubborn, Hashem killed the Bechorot, and therefore I'm bringing the Korban, the, the Bechorot, etc. Right? On the other hand, our interaction is bereft of any context. There's no, there's no season mentioned, there's no ritual mentioned. Your kid's going to ask you, So you've got to kind of wonder why it is independent of context, unlike the other, unlike the other three. And again, um, that's if we look at it within the context of the Arba Banim. Um, the, the next piece I want to show you is the Yushalmi. Take a look at source three. The Yushalmi in Psachim uh, has this same Midrash credited to Rabbi Chia, which Rabbi Chia did not compose it, but Rabbi Chia stated it or repeated it. Tani Rabbi Chia, Kenegan Arba Ambanim Dibrat Torah. There we get a slightly more familiar phrase, which is not that there are four sons, but the Torah spoke as if they're four sons. There really aren't four sons. There's millions of sons. Uh, which is Ben Chacham, Ben Rasha, Ben Tipesh, Ben Shendel Again, a nuance of the word Ben here, not so critical. Ben Chacham, Mahuomer, Mai Dod Vachukim, Mishpatima, Shitziva, Donai Lohenu, Otanu. Now that's, of course, critical, and I highlighted and changed the font color on the word Otanu because it's so strange. Because the Torah says etchem, and we have a little bit of upsetness about etchem because why is excluding himself? And the Yerushalmi quotes the pasuk as otanu. Now we can't really check this against Kitveyad because there's only one Taviyad of the Yerushalmi that's complete, which is the famous Leiden manuscript, and in Leiden it says otanu, and uh, and so that means that the all the best information that we have is the Yerushalmi quoted the pasuk and either. Um, some scribe made an error or else um, wanted to sidestep the problem of Etchem and therefore wrote Otanu, which is strange, or else there was maybe some other version of the Pasuk available in early times that said Otanu. Now that sounds like a crazy suggestion until you look at the Septuagint. The Septuagint, which you have right underneath, uh, which is the Greek translation and goes back to the 2nd century BCE, uh, and represents the opinions of Chachamim, meaning the presentation of Chachamim in translating the Torah. Now, in many places in the Septuagint, there are embellishments and additions. For instance, uh, as is well known, uh, the seven nations that occupied Eretz Yisrael, the Chitiv, etc., often show up in only partial lists. The one who always disappears is the Girgashi. And yet, in the Septuagint, whenever they mention the list, they give all seven. All right, that's a not uncommon thing. It's a stylistic piece. But this uh, changed, you really can't be credited to that. And here you read, uh, I'll just translate it for you, Tiestin ta martyria 
What are the testimonies, materia, witnesses, martyr? That's what a martyr is. Kaita di Kriomata, commandments, Kaita Krimata, statutes. Hosa Enetelato, who commanded Kyrios, Hoteos, Hashem our God, Hashem the God Himon, meaning Hashem the God of us, our God, Hemin. What are the commands that Hashem commanded us? Which means that in the Septuagint it also reads that way. Just a fascinating thing on the side. But here's where, for our purposes, it gets very strange. In the Yushalmi, what answer are we supposed to give him? What do you tell him? Hashem took us out with a strong hand. And what's very strange is that's the answer that the Torah gives to the Mazot question, which we credit to the Tipesh of the Tam. And it's going to get stranger, because look in the Yushalmi, you could skip the Ben Rasha, who is a whole Torah by itself, but what that is. But the Tipesh should be Ben Tipesh, Ma Omer, Mazot. All right, that we saw. Af atal limdo koman. Now the answer that the Mechilta, and by the way, our Haggadah, says to give to the Chacham, slight nuanced variant, variations between the Mechilta and our Haggadah, but the, the, the substance is the same, which is teach him the law of koman, you don't go out and carouse after the Pesach, is what you give to the Tipesh here. We don't want this kid to get up and leave our group and go to another group eating Pesach. You have to stay in your Chavura. So we now see several strange things. And to summarize before we turn the page, we notice that in the Parsha itself, the kid asks a question, and he's not given an answer to his question. His question is what, and he's being told why, and perhaps what's the benefit. But he's not told what at any point. The second strange thing is that the Mechilta has us give the Chacham, a whole different answer, which actually seems to be closer to what the Chacham asked in the Torah, which is what, but it's a particular law. It's not sitting down learning all the laws with him. It gets stranger yet because in the Yerushalmi, the answer that we give him is an answer that's called from a question asked by a kid that we regard as a Tipesh. And that's a simple question. And you give him the simple answer, very odd. Now, if you take a look at source four, here's the Haggadah. And as, again, the Haggadah looks very close to the Mechilta. Again, it, it, it presents the entire Pasuk of the Chacham with the Etchem in it. Uh, it also, in many versions of the Haggadah, it reads, You teach him the laws of Pesach all the way until, meaning the last law in, in Masach HaPesachim, the second to last law in Masach HaPesachim, is Ein Maftir Nachar Pesach HaVikoman, so you teach him all that all the way until there, okay? And now, by the way, the Tipesh becomes a Tam in the Haggadah, it's a little more politically correct, a little nicer, but again, Mazot and Ve'artailav, exactly as the Torah says, which is the uh, the answer that is the Tipesh's answer in the Mechilta. So the Haggadah is much more, much more similar to the Mechilta with the difference of the order of the sons, uh, Rasha then Tam, the Tipesh becomes a Tam, uh, and um, the answer to the Chacham is a little bit more finessed, but it's basically the same. So that's what I put here, and I, I of course, was tempted to, and I f- fell to the temptation of putting four questions, which is, uh, first of all, the Torah doesn't give us an answer, doesn't provide an answer that we're supposed to give to the Chacham uh, that he asked. Right, the midrash gives an alternate answer, and then the midrashim actually swap answers between the Yerushalmi and the mechilta. Right, and the other question is really one of larger context, which is why here in in Dvarim is there no context to the question, unlike all the three interactions in uh, in Shmot. 
So all of these questions, I believe, will be resolved by looking at the parsha in its broader context in Dvarim. Again, the problem we have with this parsha is we almost always look at it within the context of our Babanim, within the context of Haggadah, and therefore these things become kind of strange and difficult. Um, but when looked at within the larger context of, of, uh, of Sefer Dvarim, hopefully it will become clearer. So let's erase the Arba Banim for, for a while, put it on the back burner, shall we say, and not think of this as the Ben Chacham, but look at this as Moshe Rabbeinu's instruction. Now you take a look at the third page, and you will see that uh, what we have in front of us is the text all the way from the Aserat Adibrot, meaning right after the Aserat Adibrot, that Moshe's re- rep- repetition and presentation of the Aserat Adibrot, immediately afterwards, all the way through our, our interaction. Now let's take a look and we'll see what happens. After recording the, the, the telling, the Asari Brod, Moshe describes what happened. All of these words Hashem spoke with a great fire, etc., etc. etc., etc. is all the, the tremendous miracles and, and light and sound and everything else. Now, by the way, Moshe here is conflating because we heard these words at the beginning of the experience of Matan Torah, and only uh, perhaps 47 days later, or however long later it was, did Moshe get the tablets and come down, but that's not our problem. Moshe's trying to present the experience. We go back to the experience of hearing Hashem. All of the elders came to me when you heard the smoke and everything else. Is what you said. Hashem has shown us His glory, His greatness. We've heard His voice from the fire. That's a scary thing. You have to remember that in Tanakh, the presentation is, and I think we would feel the same way, any direct interaction with God, any direct revelation of God will kill you. That's why Manoach thinks he's going to die because he saw Malach. That's why Gidon thought he was going to die because he saw Malach. That's why Hashem says to Moshe, Lo yirani ha'dam v'chai. Right, so that's what they say. We've seen and heard God. We've seen something new. God speaks to man and the man lives. But but now we don't want to die, which means, okay, we've proven God can speak to us and live, but it scares the heck out of us. We're afraid that this fire will consume us, which may mean literally or metaphorically the experience of godliness will consume us. If we hear God's voice anymore, we're going to die. And we're at the edge. This is what you, Moshe's telling the next generation, this is what your parents, the leaders of the generation, the previous generation, all died out in the desert already. This is what they came to me and said. Who, what man or flesh? ever was able to hear the, vo- the voice of the living God speaking from the fire and live like we did. All right, we've experienced it. We've done something nobody else has done. Can't go any further. And then what did your elders say to me, Moshe is saying, you go close and listen. And it's exactly what happens at the end of Parshat Yitro, the end of Parak Chaf and Shmot. You go and hear what Hashem says. You come and tell us. You go and get the message for us, and you come back, we'll obey it, and we'll do it. Okay? Now, 
the way Moshe is retelling this story, which is the story of the end of Parshat Yitro, the end of and they get afraid and they say to Moshe, you go forward. This is rewording the same thing. But notice that here, Moshe feels like, unlike, we don't hear this in, in Shmot, Moshe is in a quandary. What do I do? Hashem wants to speak to the people. People don't want to hear Hashem. So, Hashem heard, meaning he attended to your words. I have heard everything that they've said, and they said, as we say in Shiva, they said good. What they said was good. Why? Would that it would be. That they would be so afraid of me and and be ready to keep all of my mitzvot forever. So that it will be good for them and for their children forever. Now, what we hear for the first time here in this context is, I'm giving them these mitzvot so they'll have a long life. If they're so afraid of me because they have such awe of me and afraid they're going to die, this is a good thing. And therefore, they'll be careful to keep the mitzvot. And then the thing I really want to give to them, which is a long life, they'll have. So, lechem or lechem, shuvu lechem lechem. So Hashem said to Moshe, Moshe is repeating it. Hashem said to me, basically, go tell them, you go back to your tents, which means you resume normal life. You're no longer in the stand of revelation. And halachically, we understand it also means resume relations with your wives. Viata po modi. Here, viata means but you, not and you. But you, Moshe, you stand here with me. I'm going to tell you. Now, whether this is Parshat Mishpatim that was given to Moshe at the foot of Harsinai in the cloud, or the other parashot that were given on top of Harsinai, unclear. And they'll do them in the land. Based on the the presentation in Shmot, this would be referring to Parshat Mishpatim, basically. And so now Moshe turns to the people and says, now you guard just the way Hashem commanded. Meaning, Hashem commanded through me. So the mitzvot that I'm giving you are the mitzvot from Hashem, and you guard them. Lot asuria minus small. Don't deviate at all. A theme that comes up in Tvarim later. That you follow the exact way Hashem taught you. Taught you again. You didn't hear from Him. You heard it from me. But that's what you wanted. So that you live and you have a good life have a long life in the land that you're going to conquer. Beautiful. So that's his presentation. And then, Okay, now here are the mitzvot that Hashem commanded. Again, through me. That you do in the land. Now, what's the purpose of these mitzvot? Watch how circular it is. You fear Hashem, so you're going to be careful to guard the mitzvot, and the purpose of the mitzvot is to fear God. Keep all of these laws and statutes, and notice in every one of these things, it's chukim and mitzvot and mishpatim, the terms keep moving together, but there's always several terms. You and your children, your grandchildren, forever. So you have a long life. Again, the whole purpose I'm giving you this is so that you have a long life. You keep the mitzvot, you fear God, you have a long life.
Shamata Yisrael v'shamata la'asot, asher yitav l'cha v'asher tibun meyot. So you, Israel, attend to this, guard it. This will be good for you, and you will be fruitful and multiply. In the land that Hashem has promised you, which is a land flung of milk and honey. And now, what is that mitzvah? Because zot mitzvah. What is that mitzvah? Shema Yisrael. And what is it? Adonai v'hinu, Adonai echad. But that's not a mitzvah. That's a declaration. So, what is the mitzvah? Here we go. V'yahavta et Adonai v'acha. It starts not with an action. It starts with an attitude. It starts with an emotional commitment. The mitzvah that you have to keep to demonstrate your fear of God and to be loyal to God and in order to ensure a long life starts with loving Hashem. And just very quickly, seems to mean with all of your thinking, all of your thinking, because lev is, is in Tanakh, it's not associated with emotion uh, nearly as much as thought. V'chol nafshecha means your whole life. V'chol me'odecha seems to be with all your possessions or with all of your energy. In other words, you are singularly devoted to God with passionate love. And now, v'hayu ha'devarim ha'eleh sh'anachim etzavcha yom alavavecha. Notice, these words that I command you today, which I'm going to command you now, should be on your heart, meaning you should be thinking about them. Right, so in other words, you love God. How do you express that love for God? you constantly thinking about the things that God has commanded you. And what else do you do? Here we go. Repeat them over and over. It's all an oral society. Over and over to your sons, to your children. You also speak of them. Don't just teach your kids. You speak of them. In one simple word, always. Standing, sitting, moving, sleeping, getting up, doesn't matter. Always thinking about the words of Hashem. And besides the clear and halachic meaning here of tefillin, it also symbolically, as the Rashbam points out, indicates being totally surrounded and always thinking about, always having reminders around of the words of Hashem. Write them on your on your doors. In other words, you're always surrounded by the words of Hashem. All right? And that's how you express this passionate love for Hashem, which is the mitzvah. That's how it's presented. Now, we're not done. So when Hashem brings you to the land, now watch what's going to happen. You're going to have big cities that you didn't build. Houses filled with all sorts of stuff that you didn't put in there, meaning loot. Cisterns that are excavated that you didn't excavate, meaning you're going to come and find a set table. You're going to find vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. You will eat and you'll be satisfied. And that's great. That's part of the reward. That's what Hashem promised. I'm going to give you this beautiful land if you are loyal to me. Now, what may happen as a result? After they are loyal and they get all of this good stuff, be careful not to forget God because that can happen. What's the positive side of it? You have to fear God and you have to worship God. You know, it's not enough to just be in an attitude of love. It's also got to be an active service. To take oaths by his name. Have his name on your lips. 
Don't follow the other gods around you. God is a jealous God. God may destroy you. And now in the next paragraph, something similar. Don't test God as you did in the desert. And now Edotav comes in. So keep the mitzvot of Hashem and his testimonies and his laws that he commanded you. Of course, how do you know about him? Because I taught you. Keep that in mind. You do that which is straight and good in the eyes of God. How do you know what's straight and good in the eyes of God? So I'm going to take a page from the Ramban. First of all, we have Pashat Mishpatim. Uh, we have Parshat uh, We have lots of Parshiyot, Parshat Kedoshim, that tell us what it is God wants. What, how do we behave in a way that is upright and good in God's eyes? But the second thing is that if we have a real passionate love for God and we have a constant awareness of God's laws, we're always speaking about them. They're written on our hearts. They're, they're written on our doors. They're written on our, on our arm and on our head. Then we're, we're, we know God in that way, some, some to say, intimately, and we can understand this is what God wants. We know this is not what God wants. Um, many years ago, I met a great rabbi. I was in his house, and he had a little sign on his desk, and he turned it around and showed it to me. It was three words in Yiddish. The three words were, Vos zokt got. What does God say? And we discussed it. Not what God said. We discussed what the meaning of the sign was. And it was fairly straightforward. A person knows, you know that this isn't right to do, even though it may be technically legal. Te- you know it's not the right thing to do. You know that this is not Hayashar Vatov B'nei Hashem. That's the, the, the Ramban uh, here in, in, in his commentary, here and also in Kedoshim. And therefore, Laman Yitav Lach again, it'll be good for you. Uvatav Yirashtata Aretz Tovah Hashem Tvadonai Vatach, and you'll come and you'll inherit the land. Adolfit Kolevacha Parecha Kashiri Baradonai, and your enemies will be scattered. Now, up until this point, what have we seen? Moshe, in retelling the story of Matan Torah, of the revelation in Har Sinai, um, couches all of this in one basic principle that he doesn't state overtly, but is there, which is Shlichut, I am Hashem's messenger. You wanted me to be Hashem's messenger. Which means all of the words that I'm commanding you today are words that I got from Hashem and I passed on to you. And there has to be a certain measure of trust and a certain measure of acceptance that goes along with that. Otherwise, the whole system doesn't work. And you didn't want to have the revelation directly, at least your parents didn't want to, so this is the way the system works. But notice in the middle of Shema Yisrael what happens. Moshe now appoints everyone to be a little Moshe Rabbeinu to his own kids. Now you're going to teach your kids, and you're going to pass it on to them also. And you're going to not only teach them, but you're going to continue learning. So that you will be a living example of what it means to be obsessed with the word of Hashem. It's the word obsessed. Think about the Rambam in Hilchot. Yisodei Torah talks about Avat Hashem. Now watch what happens. Again, out of the context of the Arba Banim. In the future, your kid's going to ask you, Your kid's going to say, what are all these laws? 
Now, he may be asking, tell me the laws. But Moshe is saying, I'm going to tell you a secret about education. The secret about education is there's no one right answer to a question. It depends on the context, the age of the questioner, the, 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 his sophistication, his attitude, etc. So here's one answer to give him because he may actually be asking the question or he may need to get the instruction not of what are the laws, but why are the laws. In which case, give him the history. How do you teach your kid? You teach your kid, first of all, by saying, I was there. And what I'm sharing with you is a personal experience, and I expect you to to pass that on to your son as your personal experience, not as something you heard from me, as your personal experience. It all comes back to Moshe Rabbeinu being appointed as the Shaliach of Hashem, and Moshe Rabbeinu being appointed by the people as their Shaliach to get Dvar Hashem and transmit it to them loyally. And now every father becomes a mini Moshe Rabbeinu in his own house. And now, Hashem commanded us, again, through Moshe, now you're saying this to a kid now, several generations after being in Israel and everything is great and all of the fruit is great and the enemies are gone, etc. All things that didn't play out exactly that way, but that's the image. And Hashem commanded us in order that we have this great life. This is all part of the command. And by the way, I expect you, my son, to tell your son the same thing as Hashem commanded us. Not Hashem commanded Moshe, who commanded this, who commanded my father. Hashem commanded us. And then we will have this good credit, or however you want to consider it, because we do all of these mitzvot. In sum, we've looked at the parsha of the son that we call a ben chacham. I pointed out along the way that there's some difficulties in the parsha itself, because he asks one question, we give a different question. We then saw the midrashim give other questions and swap the questions, swap the answers. But I believe that the reason the Midrashim are doing that is because they're looking at our parsha the way we're looking at it, through the context of Parshat Vetchanan. And they're saying, in Parshat Vetchanan, this story, this, this mitzvah of how to teach your kid is much more about embodying and transmitting the shlichut of Moshe Rabbeinu within each family and emboldening that child to become the next father to pass it down which means the content of the answer isn't nearly as set and fixed. It's critical, but it's not fixed. And it very much depends on who the kid is and where he's at in his own growth. And so therefore, the Midrashim are comfortable saying, okay, the Torah gave one answer, here's a different answer. Okay, in this case, perhaps the answer is swapped. Maybe he needs to learn about Afikoman. That's not the issue. The issue is that we have to teach him as if we experienced it, we experienced Matan Torah, Moshe Rabbeinu speaking to us, is Moshe Rabbeinu telling us Dvar Hashem. And that level of trust, which we refer to as Emunah Chachamim, that level of trust that we put into our parents, to our teachers, has to be that powerful, that sublime, that we can actually take it on and become the next or the next uh, link in that chain. And so therefore, in the context of Parshat Vatchanan, this interaction is not a Ben Chacham. This interaction is when a child asks this question, here's how you answer. 
But the setup that we get through the entire piece is that your children should be in that situation where they turn to you with this question and they're receptive to the answer because they want to know what it is that is the secret to our successful long life here in Eretz Yisrael. Mirza Hashem, next week we will take a look together at Parshat Ekev. Shabbat Shalom.